0: Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run.
1: Yeah. Good day, Bengals fans. My name is Matt Minnick, and this is Bengals Chalk Talk. Today, I have a very special guest. The Bengals are about to draft a brand-new quarterback, so we are in need of an expert opinion. And that is just what we have got today. Today's guest has 11 years of experience as a professional quarterback, mostly in the NFL, but spent enough time in, in uh, the CFL to win a Grey Cup championship with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It is Sean Salisbury. Mr. Salisbury, how are you today?
2: Matt, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you being here. So uh, you, you're the host of the Sean Salisbury show, which is uh, on uh, – uh, Talk 790 in Houston from 6 yep. to 10 a.m. Central Time. Uh, you yep. can also find it on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, so yep. if you're if you're interested in, in following along, now, uh, long before Will Bond and Kornheiser, there was Sean Salisbury and John Clayton, the the original two guys arguing about uh, sports on TV. Um, I, I, I've got to know as long as I've got you on. Did, did you and, and Clayton? always disagree or did you just kind of, you know, uh, make it interesting by, by arguing opposite views?
2: Well, unlike the stuff you see nowadays, it's scripted and planned out and hot take artists. Well, John and I, and we're still to this day on my Sports Talk 790 show, he comes on on Fridays and I go on his ESPN 710 show in Seattle on Tuesdays every week. We, we still play four downs on both shows. Um, and it was the first one. And I, you know, don't, don't, People can decide if they loved it or not. But I still get people asking me questions. Do you, do you hate John Clayton? John is <laughs> one of my very dearest friends and prepared, and we love, we love competing against each other. But we never scripted that, ever. And it was never, John, you say this, and I'll say this. And it's not hot takes just to get people because, you know, we weren't doing Twitter when John and I started that, and it was before all the stuff that's on. And those guys, you know, people that are doing it now do a good job, but it was not scripted. They'd ask us both about 10 or 12 questions, and they choose the four or five, but they know the four downs, and then if there was a bonus question or a bonus down. So John and I have great respect, very good friends, but it wasn't – there's no hatred. There was, you know, like I said, we're dear friends. But when we turned on, just like a game, I got buddies that I played against my whole life, but if they had a chance to hit me when I was in the pocket, they're going to hit me and then shake your hand after the game. And that was the way John and I went about our business, and we're proud of that work. Quite th- frankly, I think we both believe it should still be on TV and bring the original back, but that's going to be up to somebody who decides to do it. But we loved it, and, and I appreciate the compliment. But he was uh, and still is a very uh, hardworking – he got some good zingers in, but we get after it. But that was never, ever <laughs> scripted, or we never were told what to say.
1: Yeah, that was, that, that was great. That was always something to look forward to. Uh, now, you, you have the uh, Let It Rip Quarterback Academy. Uh, where you're coaching a lot of young quarterbacks. You also coached uh, Adam Sandler for the remake of The Longest Yard, and you appeared in Benchwarmers with Sandler. Uh, What was it like coaching an actor, uh, you know, as as opposed to to coaching some of these uh, young
2: quarterbacks? Well, I've been well, an actor. Hence, the name should be able to emulate or learn quickly how to impersonate something, right? And and I can remember, and Sandler is still to this day a very dear friend. I mean, we talk and text often and he'll come on my show when one of his new movies is coming out. And, um, fortunate to be in three of his movies and we had a blast filming all of them and House Bunny as well, but the Bench Warmers was a blast because I was in out in that movie throughout it. But Long Shot was the first one and when I when I get the, the quick story about it, I was, you know, doing T V at ESPN and I got a call at my office who was left on a voicemail. that said this so and so from uh, Happy Madison Productions like to talk to you if you could call back. I thought it was one of my buddies joking. I never, I didn't call back. <laughs> I I just ignored it. About a week later, i got a call again and said to call back. And so I called back, and it was Barry Bernardi who called, and he happens to be the like executive producer and one of the bosses for Happy Madison, and they have their lot at Sony Pictures. So I call, and it says Sony Pictures. I said, uh, Barry Bernardi, please. And they run right terms. So right then and there, I said, Well, this is this is strange. <laughs> and um, I got him on, he goes, Sean Barry, and I just called, and I said, how are you doing? And we kind of laughed, I told him I thought it was a joke, but I guess this is real. And I said, what can I do for you? And he said, well, you know, if, if you haven't heard, you know, there's a remake of The Longest Yard coming out. And I said, yeah. And he I said, I love the original. And he said, well, we, uh, Adam Sandler, um, has seen you on television. And I didn't know Adam. As a matter of fact, I'd met Adam for about 10 seconds at a game when Dan Fouts and I were doing the Chargers pregame shows and when I had quit playing, I was, we were doing the, the, the preseason games. Should I say not preseason, not pregame, but preseason games. He was a play-by-play. I was a color announcer. And Sandler had come in because Fouts was in Waterboy at a game in San Diego and just said hi to Dan. They talked. He introduced me. I said, I'm a big fan. That was the extent of it. We had, that was, and that was years before Longest Yard. And so I said, well, yeah, he goes, we'd like you to train. We were doing a remake. We'd like you to train uh, our quarterback, Paul Crew, you know, to play Paul Crew, which was Burt Reynolds in the original. I said, well, who's playing Paul Crew? And he said, Adam Sandler, and I laughed. because I said, well, you know, Brent Reynolds, a tough guy. I said, Sandler, we laughed. And he said, he's going to play. it." I said, boy, you're going to make me really coach him up, aren't you? And we laughed. And I said, if you want me to make Sandler a quarterback, you're have to pay me a lot of money. And he laughed. And said, That's no problem. <laughs> so we joked about it. And I said, I'd be honored. And, I said, well, yeah. and he said, well, can you come out here in the next week? So Agent and I flew out there, walk into Sony Pictures' lot, and there's Sandler and Spade and Schneider and the producer and the director and well, I, mean, I walk in and you see these guys walking around Sandler's in a pair of, you know, big old baggy cargo shorts and high top tennis shoes with a t-shirt. And it's just like you would imagine him. And so there's probably 12 to 15 people in the room. And I'm like, I got my age. I said, man, this I it was intimidating. I'm a, I watch all his movies. I'm a fan. I'm looking at these guys. I'm thinking, this is not my element. Well, and, and so I see, he said, just tell them what you want, what you expect. And they'll tell you. So we went through it and, and I really, I just said, I said, listen, what do you expect from me? And then he said, well, what do you expect from me? I said, well, I expect you to make most of the throws because my reputation's on the line training, and we'll get this done right, and they we're going to work. And the deal, we signed the contract. We got the done that day, which was nice. And Sam and I became friends training for about four months, and then he put me in the longest yard, and the rest is history. And he did a great job. He, You know, we did everything from how to – when you break the huddle, how a quarterback looks at the line of scrimmage, to throw in and he trained hard. The next day, we went over to his house, and he goes, Salisbury, all I want to do is know how to throw it 40 yards. I said, well, we're going to have to do more than that. I show up at his house. He's in his pajamas, and his dog Ball was there. And he said, come on in, Salisbury. I said, well, I'll just I'm fine. And I waited. He got dressed. We went to the park, threw for about 45 minutes to an hour, and then we started training. And we'd always play two-on-two basketball before every training session over at the Sony lot, or wherever we were trained, we had to play basketball first. He loves hoops. And so we trained, he trained his ass off, and the rest is history, and he did a great job in the movie, and you know, when he told Dan Marino on HBO back in the day, when he told Marino, he said, yes, Sean, saw Marino said, Salisbury trained you? And Dan and I are good buddies, and he said, Sean couldn't throw it in the ocean if he was standing on a beach, and so we still joke about that to this day, and so it's the only thing I'll ever have better than Marino that I got to train Sandler, and he didn't, so sandman's been a good friend ever since and he's exactly what you think classy loyal honorable great family man and a great friend and we had some of the best laughs of my life not only on that set with chris rock but on the other two movies i did and remained friends ever since but it was an honor to train him i'll tell you what he's when i laughed with the guys about you know him being paul crew with barry Bernardi, he actually turned out to be a not only did he play the role well but and then Bert Reynolds obviously was in the second one too in a different role. But he threw the ball, he spun it, he did it from the from the, the, the drills you saw him do while they were in the yard while he was trying to pick his team and flicking the ball. We practiced that, how to lick his fingers, the eye black, where he wore his towel. I mean all that stuff and dropping back and throwing. And he did it all except take the hit. So I was proud of him. It's still an honor to this day, and people still talk about it. But more importantly, his friendship and. How hard he worked to make sure that role was believable is what mattered. And uh, I was in over my head because all those guys are in their element, but it was sure a pleasure to be around him and we had a blast.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. I, you know, and,
2: and if I can train Sandler, I tell quarterbacks, if I can train Sandler to be good, hell, I can imagine what I can do with Joe Burrow or one of those guys, right? It'd be, it'd be they look <laughs> really good now, but he, he was fun to train and he is as good a guy. What you think about him class wise and what you think about him. As a good person, is, he, he's, he's, a, he's great at what he does with the movies, but he's ten times better human being. So I'm always honored to be a part of it. Well, you mentioned Burrow. So, uh, you know, we
1: had some fun questions there to start with, but uh, obviously brought you here for your quarterback expertise. Um, so Burrow uh, coming off arguably the best season in college football history, uh, what are your thoughts about Burrow and how he uh, might transition to the NFL?
2: Well, I don't think it was. I don't think it was what may have been the best college football season. I, I, I've never seen one better. I just haven't. And and I am a, a huge you know LSU football fan. I went to SC, but my former head coach John Robinson is a consultant. Fred ors on there. So, and I almost mm-hmm. took a, you know a job as a as an, uh, an analyst with them uh, the the summer before the Burroughs' first year at LSU. Um, but because I trained quarterbacks and guys they were recruiting, I couldn't take it. So I went up there and visited with them. So there's a special affinity for me. And I can remember Ed Orgeron saying, "We well, have got this kid coming from Ohio State that's a graduate, it's a transfer, uh, not a great transfer, and he'll have two years. And I said, Who is he? He goes, this? I go, oh, yeah, I remember him, high school and the rest of it. And what he's done, he goes, he's coming in. He goes, I think we've we got a pretty good player coming in. And, boy, was he right. And the, the first yeah. year, you know, he, he learned. And then they got the offense with Joe Brady and, events being working together I listen man the only knock on Burrow that you're going to hear or that you should that I understand let's put it this way the only knock is well he did it one year and and we'll look at all the weapons well I can say well Tua did it too and Tua's a great player but look at all his weapons or look and LSU's got good football players but I've seen a lot of good quarterbacks good football players haven't been very good so if you want to say I got to see Burrow do it again well that that's fine you're not going to see 60 touchdown passes, but if you see that guy, but what's not to like? Attitude, meaning swagger, and it's not fake swagger. There's plenty of guys who throw fake swagger on you. That's not Joe Burrow. And, and let me backtrack. The Cincinnati Bengals would have to be drug-tested and on crack if they did not draft him. <laughs> or if they were to trade that pick, it better be for a hole so big that we look at the team that gave the hole and say, are you guys crazy for giving up that much for Joe? That's how that's – how, the regard I hold Burrow in You know, hometown kid You have to take him But you don't just have to take a hometown kid Because he's the best quarterback out there right now And I, I, I judge my quarterbacks When I watch tape of them And when I evaluate them There can't be, especially when you draft a quarterback In the first five picks you, You're not drafting him just to be a starter You're, not, you're drafting him to be an, an elite franchise quarterback Who is a Hall of Fame type player That's what you, that's what you project out You do I do. I don't draft the first ticket of the draft to just be a good player. I draft him because I think 12 years years later and then five years after that that he may be wearing a mustard-colored jacket. That's how you've got to think when you're drafting and evaluating the toughest position in sports to evaluate a quarterback. Well, the only if is, well, what if that was just a one-hit season? And I saw enough to tell me it's not, and here's why. Aside from the swagger and the real swagger, did I don't, and what I needed to see, I saw. And it was the last game of the season. I saw all the other stuff. I needed to know how he would overcome getting his ass handed to him early in a game. I did. I needed to overcome. I needed to see him come out and throw a wobbly ball that was behind. Maybe throw a ball that should have been picked. To struggle early. In a big game when... And he played in a lot of them, obviously, with their schedule and the tough schedule they had in the SEC, I know. But playing in a national title game or a Super Bowl game is just different. And so I needed to see him go through where it wasn't ever hey, they were kicking people's ass, averaging 50 points a game. He was playing against teams, even though they were great teams, like they were playing seven on seven. That's how good he was. And then he Mm. and Joe Brady and Ensminger all just kind of fit perfect. But I needed to see him struggle in a huge game that meant something big and see how he overcame it for me. And he didn't just overcome it, the deep ball. He, he started off, and he was like, whoa, what's up with Joe? And then he got into his rhythm, and that's, how my, that's my number one, mentally, emotionally, and physically. How tough are you when, when the crap hits the fan? Anybody can play. I, I can still play when, when we're up 48-7. to seven. But can you play when you're started a little slow? People start, you can start to hear the whispers in the stadium. You start to wonder. You start to. I mean, how do you overcome that? Well, he did. And so that's the only if, well, is, was it just one season? But I saw enough of the accuracy, incredibly accurate. When you throw that many balls and only like 4.8 or less than 5% of your passes are uncatchable throughout the season, it's, it's crazy. You think about this now. I saw a stat, I don't know if you've seen it. He threw 60 touchdowns and 40 balls that were not catchable throughout the season. Now, I want you to think about that, <laughs> that we're off-target. He threw more touchdowns than off-target passes. So, and, and don't get caught up in all this arm strength. Oh, he doesn't have Mahomes' arm. Who does? Who, who does? I trained with Steve Young when we played. We threw on the same field. Steve Young, decent arm. Drew Brees, decent arm. Joe Montana, decent arm. But what they all had is accuracy, on time, tough, where they wanted to throw it. Burrell's got that kind of accuracy, plenty of arm, His anticipation, he throws receivers open instead of wait till they're open. You know, he coaches kid. He's got all those things you want. And the players love him because he's demanding. He's demanding of them, demanding of himself. and, And just he's one of those guys when you walk in the building, you think, I got a chance to win. And the Cincinnati Bengals must make this choice. And I think it's, in my mind, without question, the right choice. And he's got great feet outside the pocket. He's probably, and I'm, this is my favorite thing about him when it comes to the, to the measurables. You know, we never know how, I think his heart's there. We've seen that, his toughness and all that. I don't have any question about any of that. But his pocket presence is about as good as you'll find in a quarterback in the last two decades. I'm just talking about the ability to reset, shuffle, keep your head up the field, throw to a window, know when to throw it away. To He's a, a phenomenal at pocket presence. Without staring at the rush, he sees the coverage and feels the rush. I just think the Cincinnati Bengals, and they've done some good things this off season by going and getting some players and spending some money. Finally, and they've got good receiving core. Hopefully, you know AJ Green sticks around for a longer time because he wants to be around Joe. There, uh, there could be some major steps forward this year. And I respect Andy Dalton, but you have to draft the guy. He's special, and there's a diff- he's a different cat, and I like that.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning.
1: yeah absolutely and, and i I love what you said about the adversity you faced against Clemson um you know that that's a team that you know first of all their defensive coordinator is as good as any defensive coordinator in the n f l uh no and question. that's a defense that's loaded with n f l talent uh year in and year out, so you know he's he's seeing basically the same level of competition in that game and with extra time to prepare for uh you know for a championship game like that that he's going to see in the n f l and you know really. This was an incredible year for championship games because what we saw at a Burrow in that game was similar to what we saw at Mahomes in the Super Bowl, where Mahomes Mahomes wasn't killing it at the beginning of the Super Bowl. You know, they were taking away what he wanted to do. They were keeping him in the pocket. They were staying on top of the deep ball, and he just kept coming. You know, and, well, and, and to me, like both of them just showed, you know, showed that toughness and that ability to overcome adversity uh, on the on the biggest stages uh, they've ever been on.
2: Yeah, I train quarterbacks, like I said, all over. And I can tell you one thing. There's things I can't teach height. I cannot teach how fast they are. Now, if we have got a strength and conditioning coach, then he can help them get faster into that. But I'm a quarterback coach, and all the drills I do and the, the, the film we study are related to that position and how to be better at it, aside from trying to be a, a better young man. we, we make them better for, My job is to make them a better football player. That's why they come to me. So I can tell you this, I can't. I can't teach guts. You either got that or you don't. You can't force somebody to have guts, and you sure as hell can't teach Tom Brady coming in the sixth round and knowing that he's going to be that good under pressure his whole career, 20 years so far. So, I, I, Burrow has that. There's that. We call it the it. Whatever it is you want to describe that as the thing that we can't really, that's not tangible, that we don't quite know. We think they got it, and then they show up and they got it, and. You know, I asked Elway this question. We were both playing. We were at his golf tournament years ago. We were sitting grabbing a beer together. And I said, John, what is it? Because for people who didn't watch Elway, I mean, you know, I, I was fortunate to play. I wasn't one of them, but I played during that era of – I was the golden era quarterbacks. Now, we're getting a new one now, but Elway, Marino, Kelly, Ethan O'Brien, Montana, Favre, Young, I know Warren Moon. The, the list goes on and on. It was the best – yeah, that's a golden era quarterback. And I was in John and Elway. And as I mentioned, Dan, so John and I were sitting there and I said, Jim Kelly, the group, I said, John, what what is it about you? When, when did you know that you were going to be great in you know, a late, late in games? Cause there were times when John would go 12 out of 23 for three quarters. It would look kind of sluggish. He'd be off. And then all of a sudden the fourth quarter, boom, eight minutes to go, six minutes to go. Things change. He said, Sean, I was waiting for some scientific explanation or, yeah, we worked on it, talked about it because I did it once, and then I did it a second time, and everybody started to believe that it was just going to be a regular occurrence, and it, and it was. But it was, and he just, and he, had, and so when you say, well, where did that come from? Well, obviously he has it in his DNA, and Burroughs got that. And you mentioned Mahomes. Mahomes was outplayed by Garoppolo for three quarters, for the most part, he was. And then the the Forty Nineers made the big mistake of throwing too often in the fourth quarter, and too many, you know, getting off the field and giving Mahomes more chances, and great players will eventually get you. A great hitter that you keep, you know, that he fouls two of them off, and then you throw him one right down the, you know, right down the pipe and right down Broadway, he's going to hit it. A great basketball player. He keeps shooting, eventually Steph Curry from beyond the arc is going to hit three pointers and bury you. Just keep letting him shoot and not defend him. And it's the same thing with these guys. You keep giving him chances, at eventually they're going to get you. And I always listen. If you show me a quarterback who never went through adversity, think about they're undefeated. They kicked everybody, like we said, and then they, they they faced adversity in moments in games. But this is the biggest one, and he's also facing the quarterback that everybody thinks the best thing in the last forty years, in Trevor Lawrence, right? Mm-hmm. So you're you're, you're you're facing that. Well, you know Lawrence is a better player. Well, he yeah, outplayed Lawrence, although Lawrence is special too. He's got all the things we're talking about. But so you have got all this, and you're like, okay. And then he almost took a deep breath and settled back in. And quarterbacks who have not been just like a human being, you've got to go through rock bottom to understand what that looks like then to come out on the other side. I'm better at life than I was at quarterback because I know what rock bottom looks like in both, but I was able to overcome life rock bottom at times better than football. I didn't. What caused me more trouble aside from two shredded knees is I didn't overcome a bad play fast enough. I, when I when, sorry my dog barking at me. He said, "Dad, you should have overcome a bad better play." But I, I I'd let it fester. Too. Early in my career, I was fine in college, and I and I started it, it, something clicked in me, and I I'd let it fester for two or three plays, which made two or three more bad plays. Guys like Burrow, guys like Mahomes, they don't give a rat's ass. The meaning they care about the game, but oh, so what? It's it's an incompletion, big friggin' deal. Oh, I threw a pick. Oh, and who doesn't? And in the process of doing that, they end up becoming better players. And I, I just – I love Joe. Joe's the type of guy you want to coach, the type of guy you want in your locker room, and type of guy that can go and throw two interceptions. And it's going to happen in Cincinnati. watch. You're going to throw three picks in a game, and it's going to look ugly, and he's going to find a way to win in a game that maybe the people have – the other team picked because we're still wondering if the Bengals are going to rise up. And he's going to have a game where he's struggling, and then all of a sudden it's going to click in, and he's going to find a way to win when he wasn't playing at his best and you're going to get all the answers you need in that visual, even more so than you would when they win 31 to three and he throws for 400 yards. That's the real test. And you will see that. And you're going to see a guy who's a different level toughness, mentally, emotionally and, and uh, mentally emotionally and physically than you've probably seen. Andy's a player, but this is different. This is a different player.
1: You mentioned uh, Steve Young in the, in the golden era of co- of, uh, of quarterbacks. And I remember growing up watching Steve Young. He was my favorite non-Bengal to watch. But his best games were like three interception games. Uh, but, he'd, but he'd be running around like crazy. and He'd throw four, four touchdowns and they'd win the game. Uh, so, yeah, definitely a guy that, that has that quality. Uh, now, there's a lot of talk nowadays uh, with the CBA the way it is about uh, striking, you know, in the window that you have with a quarterback on a rookie contract, uh, and the, you know the importance of getting to the Super Bowl within that window. Uh, do you think the the Bengals need to be ready to to strike within the next couple of years here?
2: Yeah, and you know you can turn it around quick. Not just the Bengals, any team. We've seen teams like Jake Delhomme's Carolina Panthers go from what two and fourteen, and then two years later we're playing in a Super Bowl. We saw the 49ers. Everybody said the 49ers were probably a year away from, or two years away last year from being a competitive, really competitive in the NFC West. Well, you saw what happened this year. They get a front seven that's physical. They get a committed coach to the run game and a great front office guy in John Lynch who's not afraid of spending money and taking some chances. They draft well. They get their Swiss Army knife in knife Debo Samuel, and then they get a quarterback in a trade that they stole for a second rounder. And you put it all together, and then they, they protect the football and knock you in the mouth and beat your ass defensively, and they're in the Super Bowl before we thought they'd be. So you can see how quickly, and it starts right there. You better be physical, and you better have a quarterback. And if you're if you're only one or the other, you can get close. Let me, well, let me give you an example: the Houston Texans. The coach has made some suspect decisions as a general manager, but you got Deshaun Watson, so every game you got a chance to win. He's on a rookie contract. Now you lost Hopkins, but they're good enough to go 10-6 and six with their previous team, but they're just not quite physical or good enough to close out Kansas City when you're up 24 to nothing, and you've got a lead heading into halftime. So that, hmm. that's it. And to me, and the Bengals fans have seen this movie, get to the playoffs and not win a playoff game. Listen, I, I, I'm just going to tell you how I feel. If 10-6 and six and getting to the playoffs is good enough, then you're telling me and I'm not saying – I know what the Bengal fans – I believe their fan base – I know what they crave. I believe – all you are, to me, get to the playoffs and lose. Now with 14 teams going to go to the playoffs, even when we had it at 12th, then you're just – everybody gets a ribbon. It's the feel-good, hey, man, we got to the playoffs, and we got a little extra paycheck, and so we finished in 12th place because we were in the wild-card game and got beat. That doesn't do crap for me. Okay? It's great. Yeah, you want to win the division more, do you want to finish in third – But, you know, it isn't the goal. It's not just to get there. And Bengals fans have had to suffer through this for a long time. Get there or not get there, but when they get there, to get beat. And they've had some talented teams. So, you you (laughs) the quarterback, don't misunderstand me, but there's guys that make a difference. Look what Mahomes in two years has done in Kansas City. Look what, you know, two years of start, he's got an MVP and and a Super Bowl ring. Look what those guys do, those type of players, Russ Wilson in Seattle do for a franchise so you better be physical at the, at the point and, and I know that sounds so cliche and element but you, you have to and it, while finesse doesn't win championships that'll be the aberration you can talk all the finesse you want about the Patriots in the days with Brady's and the gun they knocked the hell out of you the San Francisco 49ers wore you out look at the Super Bowl Kansas City had to play physical and then the quarterback bails them out and so it's the same here be physical and have a quarterback so we, Joe's got to play a little bit before we know but of course, you want to capitalize on it. If you're tell, asking me right now, are they close to being a Super Bowl team? Hell no. Can it change quickly with an attitude in a, in a, in a, in a and a culture change? Yeah. With the coach and bringing Burrow in and spending money, there's already a feel good feeling in Cincinnati right now because people are saying we're going to get the quarterback and we spent money this off season. So maybe just maybe there's a commitment to this thing. Cleveland's going to be better than they were last year. We know Pittsburgh's going to be better because Ben's back, and we already know about Baltimore. Because they got the reigning MVP, and they're pretty damn physical and good, too. All right? Look at the commonplace. What, what, Cleveland? Quarterback didn't play well last year, didn't end up well. It's Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roeth- Roethlisberger doesn't play. Guess what happens? He, that, that, team, that team doesn't play very well. It's the same thing here. Quarterback plays well, it all starts there. And then if you're physical, you build it. So, yeah, you want to jump on it. I'm not, if I, why would I, as a coach, be thinking six years from now? Screw six years from now. As a 30 year old veteran doesn't want to hear that. Let's go win and go win now, and you'll see a change in attitude and it, just a change in how they feel about it from this offseason and the quarterback when they draft Joe Burrow. It'll feel different, and I believe it's going to look different, but it's a competitive division filled with the, the other three teams in the division are pretty damn good.
1: Yeah, and, you know, obviously the, the contract helps uh, because you're not spending all that money in one area, so you can, you you can, can do a lot You it somewhere more. else. That's right. No but, question. No uh, yeah, you know, we've seen in the past, uh, you know, I mean, in, in this century, the majority of the Super Bowls, you know, have involved at least uh, somebody named Brady or somebody named Maddie Manning. So, uh, you know, so we've seen veteran quarterbacks like Peyton Manning, like Tom Brady, like Drew Brees win Super Bowls uh, and, you know, be on their second contracts uh, and be able, you know, to win, uh, to win the Super Bowl with the team that's that able to be built around them. Uh, and, you know, I think people have kind of said this, that, well, you know, once Mahomes gets paid, they're done. Uh, you know, do you think guys like Mahomes, guys like Russell Wilson, uh, do you think their, their talent is transcendent enough in today's NFL uh, to, to be able to lead a tough, but maybe not, you know, maybe not the most talented team, because they, they don't have enough money to pay all those guys, uh, to lead that type of team to the Super Bowl, even when they're eating up a large uh, chunk of the salary cap themselves?
2: Yeah, well, what was the, the the talk about Kansas City going in this year? Everybody said, well, Mahomes can get him close, but we were concerned that their defense wasn't good enough, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we we wondered before during the season, was well, their defense really good enough to, to to stand up, even though Mahomes could Mahomes, and they did fine. Brady's been on plenty of teams that weren't loaded with Pro Bowlers, Hall of Fame, Super Bowl type talent, and he elevated them because Bill Belichick's a brilliant guy, and you got you, you find guys. And, don't over, and people overthink the, you know, well, man, we've got to have all first-rounders. No, you don't. The third, matter of fact, the draft will be made by the quarterback and by what you do probably after the second round. Can a fourth-rounder make a team and end up in the Pro Bowl? I, here's what I hope the Cincinnati Bengals aren't thinking about Joe Burrow's second contract right now. Because if they're thinking about that, if that if, if money's on their mind, because I can manipulate as a GM today. Somebody hired me. I can find a way to go to players and change their contracts, get them more pay. If you want to manipulate the salary cap legally, but do it with players, if, if you have a group of guys that are committed to winning, I can move the salary cap around to where I can. Uh, th- th- put it this way: the Houston Texans could have afforded to keep to pay Deshaun Watson 175 million when it comes up, because that's what. He's gonna make thirty eight million bucks a year, somewhere in that range. They could have mm-hmm. kept DeAndre Hopkins and paid him. And they could have kept DJ Reader. They could have moved it around and said, Hey JJ, you want to readjust? You can move things around, chess pieces well enough to win. Is and, and see I hope, and you ask a great question. I hope the Cincinnati Bengals aren't thinking, Let's do it now because when Joe's contract comes up, well we're not gonna pay him so he's gonna leave anyway. If that's their thinking in the front office, they've got no shot. They they they've got no shot. And I know that people in the past, well, they, you know, they, they've, they've gone on the cheap and their scouting department and they're, they're behind and all that stuff. I, I don't want them to think that way because the fans expect more, just like the Cincinnati Reds fans. They, they want the big red machine back, okay? Just the Bengals fans mm-hmm. want Boomer Esiason and, and the Sam I mean, they want that type of play where they've got a chance to compete every year. I don't want to hear, you, you can build a salary cap team, you can pay your quarterback plenty of money and make him the highest paid guy and still go win championships. But you've got to be smart. You've got to have a scouting staff you trust. You've got to have a GM with balls and moxie. And you've got to have an owner that signs checks, trusts a football guy, and gets his ass out of the way. And that's, and that's what the good ones do in Pittsburgh, in, in Seattle, in New England, in, in Kansas City. You don't ever hear any about the, any of that stuff. They do what they need to do to win. so the Bengals, and I, I know fans aren't, and I know you and I aren't, and I'm sure the players aren't, but if the Cincinnati Bengals' biggest concern right now as a front office, is we got to win now because boy, if Joe plays like he's capable, we're going to have to pay him 150 million dollars or 160, 175 million dollars four years from now when he wants his new contract. Then if that's their thinking, then they're in the wrong business, and then they ought to get into some other kind of business and get out because football. I mean, you can plan things, but if money's the first thing on your mind. You ain't gonna, you're, you're probably gonna spend time finishing in last place, and the Bengals should be better than that.
1: Absolutely, and and uh, you know we're. It's a great time to be a Bengals fan. Obviously, very very excited for what's uh, what's coming up here in about a week, uh, and uh, you know we're we're all looking forward to the to the win and to, uh, to a very long term situation for for Burrow and Cincinnati. So, uh, thank you very much for joining me today, Mister Salisbury. Uh, where can people go to follow your
2: work? Well, they go to sports com in Houston. It's the iHeartRadio app. You can listen live 6 to 10 Central, or you go to sports com, and uh, that's the blog where the podcast runs. And you can follow me at Sean, S-E-A-N, unfiltered. Sean unfiltered on Twitter, and it's sure great to be on with you. I know we had a good long conversation, but uh, any time you need me, I'd be happy to go on, and good luck. to, uh, to, to it's a, Put it this way, you don't want to be picking first very often. So they got the guy finally. Hopefully they won't be picking first in the next couple of years, but, uh, great sports town. And it's great to be on with you, man. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. I appreciate you too. So we we are closing in on the NFL draft. Uh, we've got lots of great stuff coming up here on the podcast. Great shows coming up, uh, more great guests lined up, uh, awesome covers throughout the Cincy jungle platform. Uh, all the in-depth, uh, breakdowns of the selections after the pick, uh, will be, will be available there. So make sure you're checking that stuff out. I am Matt Minnick. My guest today was Sean Salisbury. Thank you for listening.